We are so excited about you discovering this hope. What is hope? Hope is joyful anticipation of good things that we found in Jesus. And my name's Nate. Again, I'm the lead pastor here at Hope Church, and I can't wait to bring you the fourth installment of our mercy series called The Dailies. How many of you guys enjoying The Dailies? Awesome. We talked about it from 1939 to 1966. There were these daily Superman comic strips. They called them the dailies. And these comic strips are actually our teams, our creative teams, inspiration for this series. You'll see them going on the, on the, on the screen there. Of course, in the city of Metropolis, where Superman is from, well, where he decided to land after being in Kansas, I believe, uh, one of the most iconic buildings is the Daily Planet, where they spread the news all about what's happening in the world and super, super world of Superman, okay? And that's where the love of his life, Superman's love of his life, Lois Lane works. She's a reporter, and she falls in, in love with Superman, and he falls in love with the reporter of Superman. He's like Clark, and she's like Lois, and they just somehow, I, I believe this. If somehow Hope Church were in the cityscape of the metropolis city that Superman's a part of, I know the first church Superman would check out would be this church. You know what I'm saying? I know that with confidence. How do I know that with such confidence? Well, because we're Hope Church, okay? And the S on Superman's Superman chest, it doesn't stand for the word super or the word Superman. It doesn't put the S in super. It's actually the symbol of hope on Superman's planet. So he kind of like touts Hope Church everywhere he goes with that cool looking S thing. You know what I'm saying? So he's like, how many guys think it would be cool if Superman came to church? In the city of Corning, it's not quite metropolis, but I feel like he would come just because we would be naturally drawn to Hope Church. That's what he's all about, joyfully anticipating the best, even though he's always running into the middle of the mess like mercy always does. Even though he's always running to the middle of the mess, Superman is joyfully anticipating the best. He does. And I don't know if you noticed, but Superman is always giving away mercy. Do you notice that? He keeps villains alive almost all the time. A lot of them, instead of killing them. You think about Lex Luthor, he just keeps popping up week after week, day after day. It's like, how many times can the guy revive himself? You know what I'm saying? It's almost ridiculous the amount of second chances the bad guys get in comic strips. Wouldn't you agree? It's like, why do you keep giving these guys a chance? With Superman on the scene, it's never too late for a second chance. I like to say it like this, with Hope Church on the scene, with hope in your heart, it's never too late for a second chance. And today I want you to know that with God, it is never too late. It is never too late. You might have felt like, man, I missed my chance. I missed my window. I had an opportunity. I could have. I could have been such a better parent. I could have closed that deal. I could have. I should have. I should have married that person. You know, I should have pursued that career. But listen, when it comes to God, it is never too late. Everybody say never too late. When it comes to mercy for your mistakes, for your mishaps, God is a God of second chances. God is a God of new beginnings. In fact, the enemy and our culture, they want to cancel you. They want to cancel people and say, you messed up, you did wrong, you screwed up, your life is over, you're done, it's too far gone for you. You will never recover that back. But I, what I love about our God is he says, though a righteous man falls seven times 
falls to completion though he misses the mark seven times seven opportunities seven fails he gets back up again on the eighth time which is new beginnings because we serve a God of new beginnings and second chances second chances all throughout the scriptures God showed up to ordinary people like you and like me and he said come on let's go again you think you're mousy I call you a mighty man of valor. You, you think you're not enough. I, Moses, I say you are more than enough. You know, Gideon, I believe in you. Joshua, you are well able. Come on, you've got this. You are not a mistake. You are not a missed opportunity. You are well able. You know, last week we looked at a prostitute that Jesus gave a second chance. And, and that got me thinking about Rahab from the Old Testament. Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute with her own house in Jericho. God showed up and she, she got a second chance. He gave her a second chance. Rehab for Rahab was simply a second chance. She was given a window to redeem and to restore her life back to its purpose. She took that second chance undeservedly. And later she shows up, I want you to catch this, in the lineage of our Savior. Jesus Christ himself and his great, 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 great grandmother was Rahab the prostitute. You talk about a second chance legacy reality. It's never too late with God. Come on. We saw a prostitute last week. Jesus stepped in the gap for another prostitute who's about to be stoned. They went from prostitute to prominence. From nothing, from nobody, from loser to winner, champion. Everybody else may have written you off in life. Everybody else may have just canceled you. Everybody else is like, the, he's the mess up. She's the mess up of our family. This is the worst. You're a nobody. You're a loser. But listen, there is no label that is stronger than God's label over your destiny. I believe it. God is saying, hear me loud and clear. It's never too late. Today's a perfect day to say, I'm sorry. Today's the perfect day to pick up the phone and make it right. Today is the perfect day to utter the words, I love you. Come on, today's the perfect day to start that project, to launch that idea, to start that new beginning. It's never too late with God. I don't care what the economy says. I don't care what your friends say. Come on, it's never too late with God. Amen, church. Come on. I want you to know in this church, we're not here to make much of Satan. It's not my job to point you to the enemy and scare the hell out of you every week. I'm here to make much of our Savior named Jesus. And I'm here to make much of his name and his glory and his attributes and his character, much of his mercy and much of his good news. But just so we're on the same page, I want you to understand that God is always for you. And yet there is somebody that is against you. It's not just a person. God has a plan to prosper your life, and the enemy has a plan to destroy your life. So you just need to understand there are fiery arrows aimed at your destiny to remind you, to reiterate, to rehearse, to try to get you to go back and replay all of your mistakes. And it's not just naturally minded, it's spiritually. Something is wrestling with you to try to keep you in shame, to try to keep you in bondage, to try to keep you locked up. But that's all right. God's blessing, God's favor, God's goodness is aimed at your life as well. Actually, is pursuing you. 
David said, surely goodness and mercy are tracking with me all the days of my life. They're like honing missiles. Mercy, a missile of mercy coming after me. As a matter of fact, God's mercy is in hot pursuit of you. The wake of your life is God's goodness on one side. I said the wake, like a boat makes a wake. The wake is one side is God's goodness and God's mercy is on the other side. And you know, right before David said, goodness or mercy are chasing after me, he talked about what we're going to talk about today. He talked about overflow and abundance, a surplus mindset. He talked about overflow and abundance. He said, my cup, my life runneth over. See, God wants you free and full. He wants you running over in abundance. He wants you sitting in surplus. He wants you going after greater with a more than enough mentality. Full of vision. Full of grace. Full of strength. Full of peace. Full of joy. Full of life to the fullest. A life, catch it, it's bursting with good things. Today we're calling this installment Built for Bursting. Built for bursting you know the enemy wants the opposite the tactic or the strategy of the wicked one is to get you bound and broken bittered and blinded he wants to bully you and push you around through life and he wants to see you bankrupt and beat down in every way God wants you bursting out bursting with life come on give that girl some room to bloom ladies God says, I want you bursting with vision, bursting with faith, bursting with creativity, bursting with hope, bursting with innovation, bursting with kindness, bursting in relationship, bursting. You ever get, some, you ever get around somebody and they're just like, bursting? Excited on the outside? Like, man, but so much more from within. It's more than Red Bull. It's more than the burst of the bowl. It's an internal reality because I'm checking and I'm receiving from a source that is alive. He's Jehovah. He's Jireh, my provider. He's a burst in me. Jesus is talking to this woman at a well, and he's like, listen, honey, if you drink from this water, you'll definitely thirst again and again and again. But if you drink of me, I'm the living water. Well, come on, it'll start to spring up in you. It'll start to burst in you. It'll start to overflow out of you, and you'll never thirst again. You're going to be bursting from the inside out. It'll affect your countenance. Christian, it'll affect the spirit of who you are. It'll affect your mindset. It'll affect everything. Connecting with Jesus causes everything to spring up, to bust out of broken, to start bursting from the inside out. That's why we say, if you're happy and you know it, tell your face. If you have peace and you know it, tell your mind to stop racing. If you've been forgiven and you know it, forgive somebody else who hurts you. The Bible says those who have been forgiven much burst with forgiveness. Come on, we're bursting. Those who have been blessed, they burst with blessing for others. Those who have been graced much, come on, they're gracious. They're bursting with grace towards others. They're not trying to find what's wrong with them. They're trying to find what's right. See, the enemy is always finding what's wrong. If you're always thinking, what's wrong with this place? What's wrong with these people? What's their angle? What's wrong with the government? What's wrong with everything? And I'm not saying don't think for yourself, but I am saying the enemy wants you to think what's wrong. Bursting. He wants to go from bursting to bankrupt and broken. So everything you see, you see jaded. You don't see Jesus. You see jaded. God wants you busting out of what holds you back and bursting with life to the fullest. 
Not as a blind idiot, but a person who sees more than meets the eye. So my question to you today is, are you bursting or are you broken? Are you bursting? Are you broken? After the year we just had, do you feel like your life's just bursting? Or are you kind of like, you know what? To be honest with you, you know, I feel more bankrupt. I feel like my heart has been broken. My inner man is busted. My relationships, my family life, it's all bankrupt. I'm tired. I feel depleted. I feel exhausted. I feel isolated. I feel overwhelmed. See, because the enemy, he'll wear you down like this. Bitter, broken, bound, bullied to get you all the way decimated to where all you are is bankrupt. But one moment with Jesus, one moment with a man at a well, one moment, one drink from living water, one sip of God's mercy, one taste of the mercy of God. And you'll be connecting to Numbers 21. It says, spring up a well, spring up a well, sing about it. Burst it out. I'm so happy on the inside. I can't stop singing. Spring up. Oh, well. That's what Jesus offers us. And all of a sudden, I'm like a little pep in my step. I'm bursting with the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. I'm bursting with a peace that surpasses all understanding. I'm bursting with a provider. So no matter what happens, I'm going to be set. Set for life. I'm bursting with wisdom that comes from God. I'm bursting with a strength that I can't get from a well of my own making. I'm bursting on the inside. Let me just show you God's plan for your burst. That's what I want to emphasize. God's plan for your burst. Isaiah 43, verse 16. This is what God says. Here's what it starts like. This is what God says. The God who builds a road right through the ocean. <laughs> who carves a path through the pounding waves of life. Forget what's happened. Oh, I love that. Wouldn't you like to forget what's happened? Come on, forget, forget about it. Out of 2020, I'd like to forget what's happened. Forget the former things, Paul says, in congruence with this. Don't keep going over old history. You ever notice how family, they always want to bring up who you used to be? And you're like, fam, I'm just trying to walk in who I'm called to be. Can you just stop bringing up the old stuff? Hey, remember when you were in middle school? Hey, remember when you were in high school? It's like, shut up and shut the devil up too. Don't keep going over old history. Be alert. Be present. I'm about to do something brand new. Here it is. It's bursting out. I love that. It's bursting out. Don't you see it? There it is. It's making a road through the desert, the dry lands, rivers, and the badlands. Wild animals will say, thank you. You know those wild animals? They'll say, thank you. <laughs> the coyotes and the buzzards, the people who are always preying on you and buzzing and feeding off of dead things because I provided water in the desert. Don't start living off of old dead things, you buzzard. Come on, be bursting. Let's start to thank you. Oh, my gosh. Rushing rivers through the sun-baked earth. Drinking water for the people I choose. The people made especially for myself. A people custom-made to praise me. You have been custom-made by God. The design of your life is to worship your God. You have not been made to worship yourself, to worship your culture, to worship anything but your God. Can't you see it? Forget the past. You ought to clap right now like God wants to burst something out of you. Come on, right in your house, right in your home. Like God wants to do something great in you. you. You can't keep joy to yourself, not real joy. You can't keep wisdom to yourself, not true wisdom. You know, you can't keep hope 
to yourself. You got to give it away. Give it away. Burst it out. It's the burst of heaven. Watch what he says here. Same book of the Bible. A few chapters later, Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge your house. Mm. Build an addition. Spread out your home. Spare no expense. For you will be soon bursting. Bursting at the seams. Come on, people of hope. Spare no expense. Soon, you're going to be bursting. I'm going to say, I'm bursting. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Come on, Elmira, we're coming for you. We're going to resettle the ruins of Elmira. Spare no expense. Burst it out. Can't you see it? You're about to be bursting. Do you understand what God is trying to say to you? It's the ploy of the enemy to get you bankrupt. It's the plan of God to get you bursting. My question to you is this. If that's what God wants, how come it's not your reality? Before you come in here and hear all this and catch up with the word of God and just listen in, how come? This is the plan of God that you be bursting. Everybody say the plan of God. It's called living life. You got the joy of the Lord. You got the strength. You got passion. You got purpose. You got excitement. You got a reason to get up in the morning and receive the mercy of God fresh every morning. One of the Bible says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Why would I restrain my tongue if I have no vision? Why would I restrain my spending if I have no vision? Why would I restrain my body and my sexuality if I have no vision? If I don't have any vision. But when you get the burst of God, you get a burst of vision. It's all of a sudden like, I got vision. I got purpose. I got passion. I got love. I'm overflowing with something from my future. Do you have anything flowing in your present to your future? Do you have anything overflowing? In your present to your future? See, the problem with most of us, we've just been settled in bankruptcy for so long. We call this vision. We filed for bankruptcy, though. We've been living in it. And we don't think there's a way out of it. And we take bankruptcy as a badge of who I am. It's like, man, I, I was bankrupt back in whatsoever happened to me in 20, let's just say 18. It bankrupt me. And I, I'll always be the guy who was bankrupt. I'll always be the person that was back. But God is saying to you, it's never too late. I don't care if you file for bankruptcy. You're going to be blessed. You're going to be built. you got a future to flow, overflow into. Maybe you've been living 20, 30 years broke in your soul. Today with one decision, one decision to receive from heaven, you're going to go to the burst. You're going to get the burst, baby. God can take you from bankrupt to bursting that fast. You know, this is the exchange of heaven that God says, give me your spirit of despair and I will give you a garment of praise. You give me your mourning, I'll turn it into dancing. Only God can make exchanges like that. Only God can make good on exchanges like that. You come depressed and you'll leave impressed. I mean, my God, you're going to be so overflowing with the goodness of God. Maybe you're bankrupt. I pray by the end of this experience, you'll be bursting. Maybe you're like, this sounds nice, but I, I don't know if the burst is for me. The burst life is for me. I'm busted. I'm broken. I'm beat up. Let me remind you of some truths. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. What kind of plans does God have for you? Plans to burst you. I mean, prosper you. Prosper. To give you a hope and a future. That's bursting. No doubt about it. Busted to bursting right there. This is for you. 3 John 2. Watch what he says. Beloved, I, I pray that you might prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. 
just as your soul bursts. So this is not positive thinking I'm bringing you. It's not trying to give you self-help. I'm not trying to tell you what I think. I want you to know God's plan for your life. His plan is to burst you, is to prosper you, is to get you into the fullness of your destiny. In fact, it's right here in John. What is John saying? Beloved, I pray that you prosper in all things. That means physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. All things means prosper, burst in all things. God does not want you to prosper in one area of your life and for you to be bankrupt in another area of your life. God's not saying you're good physically, so you're going to suffer emotionally. You know, you're good financially, you're going to suffer spiritually. No, 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 no. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to burst in all things from the inside, outside. Beloved, I pray that your soul bursts. I pray that your soul bursts. What's your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions? God wants your mind to prosper. He wants you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He wants to align with God's will so that you might be bursting with your will. Your will and his will align, come into bursting. So you're not rebellious in your will, but you say, God, not my will, but your will bursts into life for me. I'm not fighting you. I'm bursting with you. So your mind, your will, your emotions, he wants your soul bursting and flourishing in every area of your life. We don't serve a God who's just like, well, how are you doing spiritually? He's not just like the spiritual cure-all. No, he cares about every nook and cranny of your life being burst. Come on, being more than enough, being in the overflow. Clap today if you're grateful for a God that cares about every piece of your life. Come on now. So if God cares about my prosperity, if he cares about my burst, how come I feel so bankrupt? How do you and I end up bankrupt relationally, spiritually, physically? Because I think it takes a cocktail of great decisions to get you into the burst. But it also takes a cocktail of bad decisions to get you to the bankrupt. So if I were the enemy of your soul, that's what we're going to talk about today. Trying to get you bankrupt. If I were the enemy with fiery arrows, the first thing I would do, number one in your notes, is I would push your priorities. Now this is all just right at the top of your notes. This is the enemy. What the enemies ploy to get you to bankrupt. I would push around your priorities. First thing I would do is push on your priorities. And I would do anything I could do to distract and steal the adoration and affection that is due first to God. I'd push your priorities and say, is God really need to be first? In the Old Testament, God gave his people some commands to people who were bankrupt. Let's just identify the people he was speaking to were bankrupt slaves. He was trying to get them from broke down, bankrupt slaves into bursting soldiers that dominated in life. And so he gave them some commands to get them from bankrupt to bursting. Because as slaves, all they would listen to were commands. They were trained and ingrained to listen to shouts from their slave masters. You know, the kids that don't listen to their parents until their parents are like, I said, put it down. I heard you the first 17 times, but until you get really commandy with me, I don't put stuff down. You catching that? That was the Israelites. Kids who did not know how to function. Kids that did not listen the first time their father said it. Kids who were like, I don't know. I don't know how to listen to anything except for get to work faster. 
now, move, later, get up, let's go, eat now, go here, sleep now, go. That's who he's talking to with the Ten Commandments. Are you catching me? He left them alone for like one second, and they start knocking everything over in the store, ripping things off the shelves, shouting, dancing, ripping their clothes off, destroying stuff. They started a fire in one of the aisles, and they were like melting toys together, and they're like a shape of a, of a cow, and naming it like Megalodoninator, like just coming up with this cool thing. They're the crazy kids in Walmart. They're like, I left you for one second. And I come back in the aisle, and since they wouldn't listen to his normal speaking voice, he starts giving commands. Like, what the heck? We call them the Ten Commandments. To get, what was the point of them? To get from bankrupt to bursting. And I think we ought to change the word Ten Commandments to the Tender Commandments. Because as a father, he's trying to bring an unruly, he's trying to come tenderly to an unruly bunch of kids going like, I know what's best for you. You're going to light this whole place on fire. Turn off the lighter. Trust me in this. You're going to hurt yourselves. You're destroying other people's stuff. The whole store is about to go up in flames. You're going to end up in juvie. I have better for you. Catch this. And it's not too late. My mercy is fresh. This is a role of a father. God gives you tender commandments because he's like, I want to help you be free with these tender commands. I'm trying to protect you, kids. You're going crazy. You're dancing around something you melted together and calling it God. It's not working. It's not going to be good for your soul. And he starts commanding things. It's not going to be good for you if you steal stuff. It's going to go poorly for you. You would say that to your kids, right? You shouldn't commit adultery. It hurts you and it hurts others. You should have no other idols or gods before me. Nothing takes the place of my priority. 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 I know the enemy constantly wants to push on your priorities. Then what's most important to you now? But listen, these idols in your life, these gods you put before me, all they give is empty promises. They seduce you into thinking like, this is the main thing. Let's, let's dance in circles around a dumb idol. My career, that's a dumb idol. My family, that's a bad idol. My stuff, this is the thing that will help me. This is the thing that will heal me, validate me, secure me. Are you, are you sure your family can heal your brokenness? Are you sure if you worship your career, it will heal you inside? Are you sure if you, if you worship your stuff collection, it will heal you and help you and validate you and secure you? This is the thing that will bring satisfaction. Quit pushing. But listen, the enemy writes checks that he cannot cash. Because that cow can't do a, a darn thing for you. So he lures you in with a priority push. An idol. By the way, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, um, I'm not going to prioritize the most important things today. You know, I'm just going to add a, a few idols to my life, a few secondary things. I'm going to push them first. Like, I'm just going to put God back here at six, and I'm going to let career, I'm going to let cash, I'm going to let fame, I'm going to let my image come before his kingdom first. But slowly and surely, the enemy just gives you a little idol, and he pushes your priorities around, and he says, make God seven. Make God like the thing you do on the seventh day, the idol. 
And he'll put you with the social media and, and idol status and the idol of fill in the blank, whatever your thing is. He knows what to put in your life. That's why Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't want to have any other priority before me. He said this, seek first my kingdom and all these other things. You won't have to go out and grab them like a crazy person who has a poverty mentality. They will just be added unto you. All these things will start chasing you if you quit chasing after them. And you chase after me. He said, come on, I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his children begging bread. I've never seen them grasping for things and them slipping through his fingers. God is your Jairah, Jairah, provider. Matthew 6, But seek first the kingdom of God. Prioritize, push this priority first in your heart, in your life. His righteousness and all these other things shall be added, chasing after you. Even in Psalms 37, 4, it reiterates, Delight yourself also in the Lord. Put him first priority. And he shall give you the desires of what, what now? Your heart. This is foolproof, better way to live. This is a tender commandment. It's not built out of insecurity from God or him having issues with you being interested in other things besides him. He is not insecure. He doesn't need you to validate who he is. He literally is saying, this is better for you if you put me first. These are my tender commandments full of mercy, saving you from a hope deferred and disappointed life. Because if you put all your worship in your kid's basket, they will disappoint you. And if you put all your worship in your, in your marriage, it will disappoint you. And if you put all your adoration, all your attention, all your affection in your career, it will fall short. You'll be frustrated. Watch what Jesus says here in Matthew. He says, Jesus, teacher, of the big ten commandments, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, the priority one. Keep your priorities straight. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, which is a double reiteration. Your soul and your mind, which is the same thing. This is the first priority uno, number one, first, greatest commandment. And the second's just like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, these two commandments hang all that other stuff that was said to those people. And there was a lot of stuff. Hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, God said, the safest thing for your heart is to love me with all of it. Your father saying, the safest thing you can do with your heart, you never get disappointed, is to love me with all of it. Don't have anything that takes your adoration and affection away from me. I come first in your life. I love to explain to my boys, boys, listen, I want you to understand, you are number three in my life. First, I love your God. I love our God. I love Jesus. Second, I love your mother. I love your mother way more than I love you. Oh my gosh, it's not even close. But third, I love you. And third place is good, you know. Bronze is not bad. You, you made the podium. You made it. You qualified. You're in third place. But second is your mother, and first, don't you dare push my priorities, is Jesus. And I want them to understand. Listen. I want you to listen. God is first. Seek 
first. All the other stuff be added unto you. I worship no other person, no other promise, no other place, no other thing, but Jesus first. Jesus said, if you get this priority right, all the other ones. He said, all that stuff I talked about, from shaving your beard to do like all the real things like lying, stealing, murdering, adultery, none of that even comes into the play. It doesn't even take place in your life if you just love me first. How can Jesus negate all the big ten commandments and just say, it doesn't matter? Because if you really do the first one, have no other idols before him, love Jesus with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul, you don't commit adultery. It takes care of everything. If you just say, God, you're first. I love you with all that I got. Everything else hangs on that one priority. So listen, if I want to get you bankrupt, the enemy of your soul, I would first push your priorities. And try to rearrange to put anything else first besides God. Second, I would try to get you to listen to a lie. He's the master liar. I would sell you a lie. Because the thing that you probably are thinking is God is good with being fifth. He, here's the lie. God is fifth in their life and they've gotten this far. God is like six and they're doing this and they're driving that. And, and they're, they're on this trip with their family. So... I'm, I'm telling you, if I were to try to get you bankrupt, I'd get you to listen to a lie. Because the more I can lie to you, the more I can convince you that all this other stuff is what you really need and, and you don't. It'll get you to live a life that's exhausting. And you'll be bankrupt in your soul. I love Isaiah 55. He nails this. He says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. Now, mercy is dripping all over this. Everybody who's thirsty, come here. I got a drink for you. And you who have no money... All you bankrupt people, come here, buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money deserving it. Without deserving it. Get it anytime you want, however you want it. Come get it without price. What? Like you didn't pay the price, you just receive it. Come here, I want you to get what I got for you. Woo! And he says this, why, why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully. Are you listening to a lie? Why do you spend money on stuff that leaves you worse than before you got it? Listen careful to me. And eat what is good. And let your soul delight itself in my mercy's abundance. You hear that word? In abundance. In abundance. You don't think I'm talking about mercy. Wait till you hear the rest. Incline your ear and come to me here and your soul shall live, shall burst, shall spring. And I will make an everlasting covenant agreement with you. Make sure you catch this part. The sheer mercies ah, of David. You know those are some serious mercies. You guys here for, for week one? I'm talking about undeserved, undeserved, undeserved. I'm a sheer mercy, sheer goodness of God, sheer wow. Ah, I don't know if I can take this second chance. Yes, the mercies of David. You know what God is saying? I, I know you're bankrupt. I know you're spending money on things that don't satisfy. I know you're investing in relationships that are supposed to validate you but leave you more insecure. I know you're trying to do all this. I know you ain't got no money. Money can't buy you mercy you can't buy your way to heaven you can't buy the burst <laughs> you can't fund the favor of God how do you fund the favor of God you don't you just receive it 
And he says, come to me, anybody who's bankrupt. And listen, listen, write this down. The devil is bankrupt and only sells lies because that's all he has. He's bankrupt and he sells a lie because it's all he has. And God is like pleading with his people, stop wasting your time. God is generous, flip side. God is generous and he only gives you what he has, which is everything. Come on, clap your hands right now if you're like, man, my God is generous and he only gives me what he has. He doesn't lie about it. And when God gives me something, guess what it is? Everything I need pertaining to life and godliness. Somebody thank God. Man, I'm, I am not listening to a liar anymore. I'm not listening to the serpent. Lying is his first language. He's the father of lies. All he does is lie. He has bankrupt promises that leave you bamboozled like a bonehead. He's been lying since Adam and Eve were in the garden. And he tries to get you to listen to lies to this day. You need this, that, and the other. That'll fill that void. you got to keep up with the Joneses. And if you, if you have something close to what they have, this is why so many of us are like literally in debt. This is why so many of us are bankrupt in our soul, in our emotions. No, God says if you're bankrupt, come on by. Come and get some salvation. It's free to anybody who wants to receive my mercy. I'm grateful for a God who's rich and makes it rain with mercy. He's like, I got mercy for days, every single day. I can make it rain with my mercy. I am rich in mercy. Mercy is not a problem for me. I got an endless, unlimited supply, overflow of second chance mercy. And not only that, he is generous with it. And he presents it to me because it's what he has, which is everything. Everything, everything. God never sells a lie. He makes good on every guarantee. He cannot lie. It's impossible for God to lie. He's not a man that he should lie. He is the truth. He doesn't just have truth. He is truth. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you. It'll get you bursting. It'll get you broke out. The truth will burst you, bust you out. And you'll say, you know what? I don't need this, that, and the other. I don't need this, that, or the other. I don't need any of that stuff. I don't have to be a slave anymore. I don't need to be in shame because of what they did to me for 400 years anymore. I don't have to be a victim of that rape from that Egyptian anymore. See, you're a punk liar. You're a dummy devil. You're a bully. You're a liar. I want the burst. I get rid. I forget. Come on. Put it, in, put it in the chat right now. I want the burst. Come on, somebody. Say, I want the burst. Come on, say it with me. I want the burst. I want the burst, baby. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and sell it not. The truth of his word. The truth of his love. The truth of his second chance mercy. The truth of his plan for your life to prosper you. The truth of his peace that surpasses normal, natural understanding. The truth of his joy that is the strength of your life. The truth of your identity rooted in Christ where you don't go looking for other people to validate who you are. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you bursting. So I'll just tell you, if I was the enemy, I'd try to get you bankrupt. I'd push around your priorities. Say, seek God second. You know, love your wife first. Honor your kids with everything you got. Well, 
Somebody already has the everything I got part. Then I'll get you listening to lies. <laughs> Here's the third thing I would do. I would run you ragged. I would run you ragged. I mean, I get you running every day of the week. No pun intended to, to, the, uh, to the big race today. But I get you running the rat race. I would run you restless. If I was really going to get you bankrupt, I would run you ragged. Because I don't want you just to be suffering. I want you in bankruptcy. Listen, so many of us have confused activity with productivity. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're bursting. For all of you who wear busyness as a badge, I want to say it again just to make sure you can catch it. Just because you are busy does not mean you're bursting. People come to me all the time and say, Pastor, I know you're busy. And I say, you know what? That is the biggest insult. I always counteract that. I say, I am never busy. I am never busy. I am never busy. I do not wear busyness as a badge. Busyness does not validate and strengthen what I do every day. Man, I am so busy. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm so, I am so, I am not busy. I am not busy. Because just because you're busy does not mean you're bursting. Listen, the bursting is an internal reality. It's not a flex. It's not a social media post. It's not stats. It's the joy on the inside. I am everything I need. I am everything I am. Ready for this moment. Not too busy. Not too busy. Not too busy. It's a joy inside. It's the burst on the inside. And the enemy just tries to get you busy. He tries to get you to wear busyness as a badge. You have no idea, Pastor, what it's like to have three kids, be leading a church. I mean, <laughs> you know, I know. Have problems. You got no idea what it's like to get sick. You got no idea. You don't know. No, I'm not busy. I'm bursting. You don't know what it's like to have practices here and things over here. He gets you distracted with being busy. I love Jesus in Matthew eleven twenty eight though, man. He says, are, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion and just meetings for meeting's sake where you just hear stuff and you don't ever do anything with it? Are you sick of pretending like you're something that you're not? Come to me. Get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. So many Christians, you might have to close your ears for this part. Just plug your ears. Walk with me. Four-letter word. Work with me. Wait, rest is not, rest isn't the void of work? No, no, no. Rest. I'll give you a rest for your soul. Work. What do I say? Work. Watch how I work. Watch how I walk. Learn the unforced rhythms of my grace, my mercy. I won't lay anything ill-fitting or too heavy on you. Keep company with me and you will learn to live bursting freely and lightly. Come on, give him a shot of praise in this place. I love Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus, thank you. I mean it. Thank God. Because the one who wants to get you bankrupt just keeps you busy. The one who wants to get you bursting says, rest. Rest. I'm convinced nobody knows what the word rest means. It implies overflow. Receive my overflow. I am sufficiently more than enough. I'm always enough. More than enough. Forever enough. Always enough. More than enough. You're already chosen. Rest. 
That's who I am. Because that's what you've spoken. We're talking about rest. That doesn't mean take a break. It doesn't mean, oh, man, I need a vacation. I need a nap. I need a rest. I need to go sleep it off. <laughs> Notice he said, walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Rest has nothing to do with sleeping or taking it easy. Rest has everything to do with overflow. What are we talking about today? The overflow sufficiency of his mercy. My cup spills over. My cup runneth over. Rest is when I put him first, and he has supplied all of my needs according to his power and his riches in glory. Rest is that I've been forgiven much. I can forgive much. Rest is I'm not always racing backwards to think of what I did wrong to whoever I hurt. It's easy, and it's light, and it's freedom. It's not the end of the world. Overwhelming, busy, you know, baggage and burdens. Oh, man, it's so hard to follow Jesus. It's, dare I say, fun to sit in overflow, to run in overflow, to rest in overflow. It's, dare I say, fun to follow Jesus. Overflow is fun. I mean, if you got enough, you got more than enough, it's kind of fun to make it rain with God's kindness, with God's mercy, with God's forgiveness quick to others. It's fun to forgive. It's freeing to forgive. You might think the opposite. Man, it's, a, oh, it's really hard for me. So just let it go. It's fun to let it go. It's exciting. It's kind of addicting. It kind of makes you impenetrable, unhurtable. God's promise for your life is rest. Rest in my principles. Rest in my ways. Rest in my commandments. Rest in who I am. Rest in my characters. Come on. You just rest here. You trust me. A bankrupt life has to strive and reach and worry, but a bursting life says, it's received. It's undeserved blessing. It's unmerited favor. I don't know who needs to hear this today, but it is the plan of the enemy to get you running ragged and wearing your busiest beaver badge all the time. Busiest beaver badge award. That's what I got. No. You got all kinds of activity, but if you look at your life, I mean really look at it, there is not a lot of productivity. Do you hear what God is saying to you? Saying, rest in me, your kids will serve Jesus when they're older. You'll have produce, production, rest. Isaiah 5.8, man, I love Isaiah today. The, proverb wrote, or the uh, prophet wrote, woe to those who go house to house, house to house. Everybody say house to house. Field to field. Place to place. Church to church. Company to company. Friend circle to friend circle. <laughs> relationship to relationship. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Pull back on those reins. Everybody give me a good cowboy. Whoa. House to house. Field to field. To what? There is no place. You burn all those bridges. You, you got no friends. This, small, this town's too small. The churches, there are no good churches. There, there is no place to worship. There is no community. There, nobody gets it right. Till, till there is no place where they may dwell alone. Oh. In the midst of their little land. Whoa. Did you guys read that verse? I was reading the rest of it. Till there is no place. Can you put it up? Till there is no place. Till, till, let's put it up there. Till there is no place 
where they dwell isolated, alone. Nobody understands me. <laughs> Nobody knows what it's like to be hurt like I've been hurt. Nobody knows what it's like to be this kind of mom. Nobody has this marriage. Nobody knows how hard I work for my family, sir. Nobody knows the addictions or the abuse. Nobody. I, I feel so alone. And nobody can help me. Whoa. Whoa, house to house, place to place. Uh, unrooted, ungrounded, uninvested. You don't want to end up alone in this land until there is no place. Woe to you who all do, all you do is work, 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 work. Grind, 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 grind. House to house, field to field, appointment to appointment, practice to practice, kid thing to kid thing, show to show, this to that, until you find no place. And you end up with no pleasure in the land. This is the plan of the enemy to get you bankrupt. But I say God wants you to not be run ragged, but running in rest. He wants you to be bursting at the seams. And so he says, come. Anybody who's tired, are you tired? Yeah. Are you weary? A little bit. Come to me. Okay. I'm too tired. It's too heavy. I'm so weary. I need God. Okay, okay, okay. You think being run ragged keeps you safe needing God. There's a different way. Turn neighbor say, there's another way. It's called overflow. It's not like, man, you should see the, the, the prayer carpet with the knee imprints where I just beg God for, for everything. Would you be a good dad if, if your kids had to come beg you for everything? Is that the relationship you want with him? Oh, dad, I just, well, just keep asking six more weeks. I want to see the imprints in the carpet where your knees land. And, and, and I, I want to see tears in, in, in your bed or your couch or wherever you pray in your quiet time. And what is quiet? I don't know. Like quiet time? Just keep begging. It's just not the God I know. I mean, you might relate to him like that, but that doesn't keep me safe with him. I like him, even if it, even if it's not like, ah, everything's falling apart. You're not born to have a miracle every day of your life. God's plan for the burst is that you don't need manna from heaven every morning. That you're always living and urgent and important and, ah, it's so busy. He actually wants you to walk in overflow. It's the difference between Moses and his prayer life and Joshua and his prayer life is one lived in the overflow and one was like, God, if you don't do something again miraculous today, I am screwed. Joshua grew up watching that. He's hung out in that atmosphere. And he's like, I think there's a different, I feel like if we just did what he said, we could walk in the freedom. And we, we wouldn't actually have to have him bake bread for us every day. We could bake our own bread or take somebody else's bread that's already baked. baked. And we could have like vineyards we didn't plant and houses we didn't build and gardens we never weeded and stuff we never set up. God could just give us everything like right now. Like favor, unmerited, unearned, unworked, undeserved. Oh my God. This is like you could do something. It's different from what all the 
These holes are actually from praying. I, this, these pants were just fully loaded this morning, and then these came because I was just praying so hard this morning. Just missing. Are you tired? A little. Okay. Come to me. I'll give you a real rest. I gotta get back on my notes. I want to tell you something. Maybe you've been like missing the mark, and maybe you did that. Oops, I did that thing on purpose, like Brittany. Oops, I did it again. Got lost in, you know. Yeah, maybe. Here's the thing, though. Sin will exhaust you. Sin runs you ragged. Here's another thing. Self-protection and preservation will make you exhausted. Propping up an image and obsessing over what people think, that's exhausting. I'd be stressed out, too. I'd have headaches, too. If all I did was think about what other people are thinking about around my life, and they don't even think of me, but all I think about is how bad they think of me, I'd be exhausted. Lying. You know, sin, lying is exhausting. you got to keep up with the lie and the next lie. Being unintegral, it's exhausting. Being one way on the inside and another way on the outside to everybody, it's exhausting when you are dying inside. Pleasing people, it's exhausting. I'll give you one. Being selfish and getting all you can get, it's exhausting. The, the lie is the opposite. But I'm telling you, it's exhausting to serve yourself nonstop. When I serve my wife, don't give me a hand. Don't give me a, wow, he really helped with the dishes tonight. I'm literally serving myself. She's an extension. The Bible says uh, we and her are one. One. I, I rub her back. I'm rubbing my back. You know those little babies, those little cute little cherub-looking cheek babies? When I love my kids, I'm not loving anybody else but me. They're like little DNA blobs of me. Don't give me like a crown in heaven for loving myself. But we've, 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 we've watered it down so much that we're like, oh man, you don't want to believe how great of a husband I am. Like, yeah, where do you love others? You want to believe how great of a mom and dad I am? Where do you love other people? Like, yes, and. That's not what we worship. It's not what we're here for. That's not the commission of the church. That's not commission of the ecclesia, the called out ones, to just be really good family. Pleasing people, being selfish, working sin, it's exhausting. Training my kids just for the fact of them to be my kids and be great, that's exhausting. Doing everything for yourself is exhausting. I'll fix it. I'll learn it. I'll prove it. I'll show you. It's the antithesis of mercy. I'll train them. I'll do it. I got this. I'm wonderful. Ah, it's exhausting. And honestly, it might feel like <laughs> I have no future. You know why it feels like you have no future? Because you're running on fumes. And fumes doesn't look like future. Fumes smells bad. Fumes feels bad. Fumes is not healthy, rest-filled living. I mean, some of you are so bankrupt, you're trying to make what everybody think that you're good when you know you're not a good. Just come to Jesus. Just receive his mercy. Quit lying to yourself and other people. Accept his grace. It's free. Come spend as much money as you want. That's what he said. Eat as much as you like because being run ragged is what life is like without receiving mercy and grace. There is no Caribbean trip that can restore your soul like Jesus. There is no purchase that you can make at a dealership that can restore your soul like Jesus. He says, come to me, all who are worn out, weary. I'll teach you 
I'll show you the burst life. Burst gets to best. The overflow life, the rest life. I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of my grace. God will give you a real rest. He'll give you a real burst. He will give you real satisfaction. So stop listening to lies. Stop having idols, pushing around priorities. And stop running around ragged. And receive. The antithesis of running is receiving. Receive the mercy, fresh start, grace, empowering goodness of God. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> Those that wait upon the Lord and receive, he shall renew their strength. They shall rise on wings like an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary, worn out, overwhelmed, busted, and disgusted. They will walk and not tip over, not faint, because they're getting supernatural supply that they need from Jehovah, Jireh, my provider, my Jesus, my Savior. Come on, if you receive it, shout yes in this place. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace. Come on, I'm not living in bankruptcy. I'm going to live the burst life, the best life in Jesus' name.